Okay, everybody, it's an emergency broadcast here of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. We are coming at you a couple of days early here with a very short podcast to give you our hot takes on this monstrous weekend of endurance performances. Now, we're not even going to talk about the incredible things that happened at Kona over the weekend, but we are going to talk about Elliot Kipchoge becoming the first person ever to run under two hours to the marathon distance on Friday night slash Saturday morning. And then on Sunday morning, Bridget Kosgai, dare I say, eclipsing that performance by Elliot Kipchoge by taking one minute and 22 seconds off of Paula Radcliffe's old marathon record, which has stood for more than 15 years. So I'm not going to give it to you all by myself here. Let's get Michelle on the phone. Hello. Michelle Frank. Hi, George. How are you? Um, unable to get off my couch right now. <laughs> unable to get off your couch right now because you had a hard run this morning that turned out very well, or unable to get off your couch because you're so blown away by the incredible performances this weekend? I think I had an easy run this morning that I made hard that went really well, and I'm also super blown away by everything that's happened probably in the last 36 hours. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so let's, um, go ahead, let's, let's go ahead and talk about them here. So we, we, we're going to talk about them in chronological order. Because I figured that's the most value-neutral way to go about it. Does that sound good? Sure. All right, cool. So first thing that happened was yesterday, Friday night slash Saturday morning. It was Saturday morning, Vienna time, Central European summertime, uh, 8.15. It was 2.15 a.m. Atlanta time, uh, Eastern time, uh, was the start of the Ineos 159 Challenge with Elliot Kipchoge. Did you watch him, Michelle? I did not. Um, I think I said a few weeks ago that I thought that he would break the two-hour barrier, but I wasn't that interested um, in getting up in the middle of the night to watch it. And fair. I held true to that. <laughs> fair, fair. Actually, the main reason why I'm asking you whether you watched it is because I actually did get up and watch some of it, and I mostly want to give you a hard time about the fact that I watched something that you didn't watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty shocking but you did a really bad job of relaying information to me in the middle of the night i typically Fair. do a good job when it's the other way around i did <laughs> i did i didn't want to spoil anything but but that that's that's not untrue that's not untrue you definitely tend to spoil things for me um so 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 i actually got up at 3 30 a.m and i stayed up until 4 30 a.m and so i watched the the uh about the last 15 or 16k um he of course broke the re or broke the two hour barrier. He ran one fifty nine forty. Was brilliant. Was fantastic. What do you think, Michelle? What's the big takeaway here? I mean, my takeaway is a little bit crazy in that I think he could have gone faster. Yeah. Um, he at the very end he just didn't he didn't seem phased. He was way ahead of the pacers. I mean, those guys could barely hang on. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's you know despite the physical ability, but the mental aspect of having the whole world watching you mm -hmm. and this one goal that didn't happen before and now it's all hyped up again mm -hmm. and he achieved it is pretty amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the pressure on him was immense. And a lot of that was self-imposed because, I mean, he, he talked as much as anybody else about how historical this moment was and how important this, 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 uh, this barrier was and all that sort of thing. So, so yeah. 
I, I, I thought I, I agree with you. The fact that he was able to rise to that occasion and rise to it so marvelously is super impressive. Um, I agree with you too. Um, it looked like so when I was watching in the last 10k there, he was starting to come out of that little V formation they had him in. You know, they had him in the the aerodynamic formation there, and he was basically yeah. running behind five people in the middle of the pack. Like watching the live coverage, you could barely even see him. Um, and uh, he he kind of started pulling up next to the person who was directly in front of him, who was Bernard Legat in that last 10K. Um, and he kind of started coming out of the formation. One of his trainers, and I thought this was kind of obnoxious, kept coming over and evidently was telling him to get back in the formation, to get back in. And I, I like I said, I thought that was kind of obnoxious, but but he looked like he was I think tired of running I felt in the like he, Yeah, I think that's why I felt like he could have gone faster. Yeah. Um, I think that he was frustrated to have to keep being told repeatedly to stay in that uh, V formation. It honestly looked like a flock so bird in formation flying south. Yeah. <laughs> and he was kidding. You couldn't really see him at all. Yeah, so. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, when, it, when you turn it on, you expect to see this, you know, glorious, you know, the shot of, of Elliot Kipchoge just, you know, running so brilliantly. And what you, what you saw was basically this big clump of people um, because, you know, he had, he had five people in front of him, two people behind him. Um, and, and they're all right behind a car. And so, so yeah, you just couldn't really see a whole lot of it. Um, but then of course, when the car pulled off and when, when the Pacers uh, kind of pulled out of the way and he ran about the last 600 meters solo, uh, he was brilliant. And he actually, and like you said, he sped up his last, they, they, they were metronome like they were 250 250 250 250 for every kilometer and then his last kilometer was about 240 because they pulled out of the way and just kind of let him kick to the finish and then of course he ran 159 40 um so incredible uh, what else you have to say about it um you know i think i saw um kind of online uh mario Perilli made a comment about how it's kind of possible to appreciate the magnitude of it and be inspired on some level but also be critical of you know how well it was curated and orchestrated um and all the conditions were so perfect to make it happen Mm -hmm. so i think i'm in that camp i mean i think i appreciate how amazing it is that the two-hour threshold in the marathon has been broken Mm -hmm. um but again it's not nearly as exciting to me as maybe a finish like we saw today with the men in chicago or if we had seen him against Bekele in Berlin or if we see him come back and, you know, run another world record in another um, actual world marathon major. Um, so I that's kind of my take. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, I agree with both you and with Mario that, that to me, you can, you can say this was amazing and this was barrier breaking. This was important, but you can also say it would have been really cool if we could also see him do it like during an actual race. Um, but you know, all along they've been saying, this is just, breaking the barrier. This is just getting us on the other side of the two-hour barrier, and then the goal is ultimately to get where many, many other people are running under this barrier and doing it in world record fashion and doing it in in, uh, conditions that are world record legal. Yeah, an interesting commentary that I saw is, you know, people comparing this to breaking the four-minute barrier in the mile. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of reminders out there that that was also perfectly curated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was set up to achieve that feat, and it brought kind of everyone else to the point where they believed that they could break that four-hour, right. uh, four-minute mark. So, right. you know, it'll be interesting to see what we actually see now in the marathon now that we know that this is humanly possible. 
Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, even if you look at the, the way that the fast times that people have run just over the course of the past two or three years, since the Breaking 2 project by Nike a couple of years ago, where he ran 2 flat 24, there's been more and more people under 204, more and more people under 203. You know, the fact that Bekelet ran so fast at, at, at Berlin and just barely missed the world record, I don't think he would have run that fast had Kipchoge himself not run that fast the year before and shown that, that running that fast was possible. You know, um, those mental barriers matter. And so the fact that he's now under two hours, I would love to see, you know, a cascade of people now go under 203, under 202, under 201. And then ultimately under two hours as well. Um, yeah, for sure. The mental barrier matters. Um, what about the community aspect of it? Did you did you dig that? I, I dug that. I thought the crowds in Vienna and, you know, everything that we saw from his hometown in Africa. Yeah. Um, just however many million people viewed it on YouTube in the middle of the night, if you're, you know, in North or South America, is, mm-hmm. was pretty, pretty amazing. Um, yeah. I think it's a moment that's great for the sport mm-hmm. and you can't really understate that significance. So um, in that regard, I think it was pretty amazing. I agree with you. I liked how, how the, I think one of the big changes they made between the breaking two project and Monza that was on that formula one track. And this one is having a crowd there that made it so much cooler. Um, I liked that they did it in the middle of downtown Vienna um, and there were thousands of people out there and they're like running, you know, alongside them and stuff like that on, on the sidewalks and everything. And they're cheering loudly. And that was cool. And then he got to go back and high five the crowd afterwards and stuff. Um, that's not something they had in Monza in the breaking two project. And that was a change here. And I thought it was good. Um, I also liked, there were 41 pacers he had throughout the course of this race. And, and once he crossed the finish line, they all just kind of mobbed him and they picked him up and threw him on their shoulders and all that sort of thing. I liked that a lot. I thought that was cool. Um, this felt like yeah. a, it felt like a communal accomplishment. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, I think there were some pacers that we didn't even know about that yeah. kind of showed up, which was which was pretty cool, also. Yeah, for sure. We we you remember we read out all the names of the pacers on the on the podcast with me and you a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sitting there watching it, and suddenly Matt Centrowitz shows up as a pacer. I'm like, what? That's ex- Exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was like, it's not like Matt Centrowitz can go under the radar. The de- guy's the defending gold medalist in the 1500. Um, and, and he definitely was not on the website. He definitely was not on the list of names that I read out a week ago. So, so yeah, definitely. Um, so very definitely cool. Not. Very cool. So talking about like that way that, that it was just him and it was more of a time trial and it wasn't a, it wasn't a race. It's, it serves such a huge counterpoint to today's Chicago Marathon, which just ended within the last hour or so here. Uh, Chicago Marathon, you had four men with a kilometer go fighting it out for the win. Um, and then it came down to a kicker's race. Um, and the winner, Lawrence Toronto, runs 205.47. And the next three guys all run under 206. <laughs> you know? That was what I would consider the ultimate 100-meter sprint finish in the marathon. So I think when they made that penultimate turn to go up the hill and mm-hmm. having run Chicago last year, mm-hmm. it uh, it actually really does feel like a hill, even though it's this tiny little overpass. Yeah. And they were all together, and they were still switching the lead. But, um, you know, once they made that final left turn, Toronto just once again had, you know, one second more of a kick in him. But um, it's an awesome finish to a marathon. So. Right on, right on. 
All right, so actually the only reason why we were talking about the men is because it provided such a counterpoint to yesterday's time trial by Elliot Kipchoge. But the main thing we want to talk about with Chicago is the women's race. Take it away, Michelle. We saw the women's world record in the marathon fall today. It stood since 2003. It was originally run by Paula Radcliffe. Um, and Bridget Cosguy went out. <laughs> Her first 5K was 15.28, I think. She oh. was on 2.10 pace which is insane for yeah. a woman um, and ended up finishing almost broke 214 finished in 214 and change, which basically shatters Paula Radcliffe's record by over a minute. Um, it's pretty unbelievable. It's, it's really unbelievable. <laughs> mind blowing. Like, like that to me, that's as impressive a performance as Elliot Kipchoge yesterday because Paula Radcliffe's record of 215, 20 something was like unassailable for years and years and years and years and years. And then Bridget Cosguy goes out today in Chicago and breaks it by a minute and 21 seconds and runs 214.04. Like you said, nearly broke, nearly ran 213. Um, stunning. <laughs> she didn't even like lean over at the finish line. I mean, it was almost, it was amazing to watch, but, um, you know, I hate to throw out the hint of skepticism. We've just spent years and years watching women try to inch closer to that 215 mark and the majority of them have basically been busted for doping. <laughs> mm -hmm. So to see Kazgai go out there and not only beat the world record, but essentially shatter it mm -hmm. um, and not really even look that tired at the end of the race. Um, mm -hmm. It's mind boggling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Paula Radcliffe was, herself was, was there at the before. end of the race. What'd you say? She was and they, I yeah. think it was minutes. I mean, it seemed like an eternity before second and third place came in. It was. Um, and overall, it wasn't. It wasn't a slow day for the women. I mean, no. we we saw lots of PRs, and um, but that two fourteen is. I don't think there's anybody that can come close to that. Yeah. Um, no. She, she second place. Second place was two twenty. So she won by six minutes. Which, if you want to put it in these terms, it means that she literally won by a mile. It means that, that when she was crossing the finish line at 26.2, the person who would go on, the woman who would go on to finish second place, was at about 25.1. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it was six minutes and 47 seconds. I mean, I can even run a mile faster than that. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very, very long yeah. time, yeah. Think of the longest song that you like, and you could probably listen to that entire song between first and second finishers today at the Chicago Marathon. Um, and so just mind-blowing incredible and like you said she went out her first half was in 107 and so it's like oh, okay well we've seen women go out at 107 before and just completely fall apart and run like a 112 second half which would still give you a 219 which would still be brilliant she actually came back and didn't she run a negative split for the back half i mean i have her 5k split mm -hmm. pretty 15 28 16 minutes 15 58 1601 yeah, maybe she did 1606 and then 1545, 1556, 1557. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's negative splitting, but it's incredible. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. Both both you and I are kind of sitting here talking about it, trying to process it a little bit. And I feel like both of us are just like, just don't even really know what to say. <laughs> you know? Because yeah, I mean, I think I'm also trying to process it with, with the pacer. You know, having a male pacer, I mean, she's got somebody up there that can kind of run more relaxed than, than if it was, let's just say a woman pacing her, they could, she could have essentially had someone take her all the way to the finish. She didn't, she ran the last two K plus by herself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they're physically larger, they can break the wind. So, I mean, mm -hmm. she had a lot of stuff going right for her today. The weather was good, but mm 
But a two fourteen, two fourteen low, almost yeah. two thirteen high is yeah, I think we're still processing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to be clear, she had she had a man pacing her for the first forty kilometers and to, for for the first twenty five miles basically. The pacer was with her for a long time. Um, okay. I, I think it was she was kind of all alone only towards the last few kilometers. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know the men were finishing and then it kind of dropped back to her. So I don't know that we actually saw exactly where the pacers dropped off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is. You know, I mean Paula had pacers also, so. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to compare apples to apples, this is a good way to do it. Uh, not to take anything away from her. I just think it's important to throw that in there. Yeah, and, and, and definitely we're not going to talk about how great it was that Elliot Kipchoge ran under two hours in the conditions that he did and then you know throw shade on the fact that she ran 214.04 with a single pacer. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, incredible performances there. Now, let's circle back real quick since we're talking about Chicago anyway. Let's talk about the Americans real quick in Chicago. So, some pretty amazing performances by the American marathoners, yeah. both men and women there. Uh, tell us about those. Um, I mean, the American men, I would say, you know, we've seen years of American women um, dominating and getting faster and faster. And mm-hmm. they had a great day. But the American men showed up big today. I think we have eight men under 212. Yeah. Um, I'm most excited about Noah Drotty coming in like 211.42. I feel like he's been knocking at the door for, you know, for a few tries and just hasn't put it together. Mm-hmm. And he did. And I'm excited to kind of see his reaction to his performance today. But Parker Stinson came in 210. Mm-hmm. You know, a great day all around for American marathoning. It's been a while since I feel like we're at this 212, 213, 214 for the men. And this was a big breakthrough. Right on, right on. It was 10 American men who broke 212 today, 10. Um, and it's interesting, in 2017 and 2018, two Americans broke 212. In both of those entire years, in every single marathon in 2007 and 2018, only two American men broke 212. And today alone in Chicago, 10 Americans broke 212. Um, just an amazing thing there in a okay. single race there yeah you go. so so yeah i think i sent you that did you, I send you, you, that? you did send me that as a matter of fact yeah <laughs> so very good very good um okay. and like you said right. the, the, so. the so part of part of what you sent me the the leading american man today was jake riley who ran 210 37 in his first marathon since 2016 uh and then second place was a guy named gerald mock who ran 210 37 in his debut marathon as a matter of fact so so congrats to all of them um uh, leading woman for the, the the United States was Emma Bates, right? Yeah, I'm super excited for Emma Bates. I mean, I think this is her only second try. She ran a big personal best, uh, 225-27, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she came out and she won the marathon championships and uh, picked mm-hmm. up an ASIC sponsorship and mm-hmm. has a really interesting training situation in Idaho, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So it's great to see her, you know, come out and um, – kind of hit a home run another big contender for the trials in february so absolutely um, absolutely well that, that was one of the big things that struck me is that so now we have i mean you, you add emma bates to to the conversation about all the contending women that are going to be doing the trials here in atlanta on february 29th but you know the men 10 guys ran under 212 today i mean uh and then you had of course jared ward and scott fobble did so well in boston you have galen rupp who we'll talk about here in just a second um who's been the 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 premier american marathoner over the course of the past several years i mean both races suddenly to me feel like toss-ups which is exciting yeah it's very exciting Um, for sure it's gonna be a great a great race in february to see who makes those top three spots for tokyo i agree i agree talk about some more women 
Um, so I'm super excited for Steph Bruce. She finally kind of ducked under that 228 mark. So she ran a PR 227. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great to see Lindsay Flanagan, both Lindsay Flanagan and Laura Sweet back under 230. Um, they both kind of, you know, battled with some injuries. And um, I think Laura was there last year and ended up scratching right before the race, or maybe she went out and didn't finish. I can't remember exactly. But it's super exciting to see them uh, back and sit and racing and, you know, in that top 10 uh, for a world marathon major, it's going to be, you know, even more, and even more people kind of in the pile, uh, for the trials in February. All right. So last thing we want to talk about when it comes to, <laughs> to, um, the, the, uh, Chicago marathon today is the performance of, uh, really the leading American man and the leading American woman there before the race, both of whom were part of the Nike Oregon project, Galen Rupp and Jordan Hesse. They both DNF'd. Did not finish. So, so yeah, did, did not um, finish. Tell us about that, Michelle. You know, Hase came through 5K in about 22 minutes, which is about equivalent to a 308, uh, kind of a recreational runner's marathon. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew that something was wrong. I don't. She, not, she didn't record a 10K split at all, and Runner's World is reporting that her dad um, sent a text message that she had a hamstring glute cramp mm-hmm. and that took her out of the race. And okay. what we're hearing about Rupp is he also didn't finish. Looked like he was running in extreme pain mm-hmm. and um, no longer a Nike Oregon project member, but a former one and one that we've spoken about a lot. Mo Farah had a pretty horrible day also finishing mm-hmm. in eighth place. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty sure he wanted to at least be on the podium today. So yeah, he was a defending yeah, champion. That's interesting how that played out. I mean, Jordan Hase was going for Dina Castro's American record. So mm-hmm. to not even get to 5k into the race, mm-hmm. pretty disappointing. Yeah. We'll see how she kind of turns things around and figures out her coaching situation and, you know, if she can bounce back in February. For sure. For sure. All right. The breaking 159 and the Chicago Marathon are behind us. Kona was also this weekend, and, and we didn't even end up talking about that, even though Michelle could. Um, but uh, but this is kind of a Super Bowl weekend for, uh, for endurance <laughs> sports, don't you think? Yeah, right. this has been a, a really fun weekend for endurance sports. It's been constant, um, you know, what's going on who's going to win, who's dropping out, who's having a bad day. We've had, I mean, we had big surprises in Kona also, but yeah. maybe we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, we will definitely. Yeah. Course record in Kona, big surprises there. We'll definitely talk about those too. So thanks Michelle for getting with us on the hot takes here on the special bonus edition of the podcast. All right. Thanks George. Bye. Bye. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, by Blue Pineapple Travel, and by SlayRx. If you want to reach out to me, you can always find me, George, at itlcoaching.com. If you want to reach out to Patrick, it's Patrick at itlcoaching.com. Or you can send us a podcast email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. If you want to find ITL Coaching and Performance, they're at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance. If you want to find Blue Pineapple Travel for all your travel needs, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, bluepineappletravel.com, and instagram.com slash bluepineappletravel. See all the incredible places where folks are traveling thanks to Blue Pineapple Travel. And, of course, our newest sponsor, SlayRx. You can find them at SlayRx.com, at Facebook.com slash SlayRx, or on Instagram at Instagram.com, here for, the number four, here for SlayRx. Don't forget the discount code as well, Pleasant2020.
2019. That'll get you 10% off anything at their website. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. Thanks again for joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.